Welcome to Kings Cast. This is Eric with Fresh and Ryan. Um, we are on part two of our Kings Cast and Review episode. Um, as always, this episode is sponsored by Ziggy Smoke Shop. Um, you can follow them on, on Instagram at Ziggy Smoke Shop 209. Um, they still are open for some limited hours during this quarantine time, so check them out as an essential service. They're there for all your essential needs. Um, so we are going into part two of the King's Cast and Review. Uh, episode one, we, we took it up to the trade deadline. Um, what we've been doing in the point of this little series we're doing is to really talk about not really this, this King's season in review, but just talk about uh, our podcast year in review and talk about some of the points that we made along the way, some milestone parts of the season, and, and maybe find out where we were right, where we were wrong, revisit some predictions that we had to see if maybe we were a little bit, um, you know, too ahead, too ahead, getting too ahead of ourselves and kind of worrying a little bit too much and overreacting, or maybe we were uh, not reacting enough. So um, the last episode, we fi- we finished it off talking about how the Kings – um, got a little bit healthy with Bagley and Fox back, but it didn't really improve their record. Um, they they lost. They went on a number of losing streaks going into the trade deadline. Um, the season was a little bit turbulent. The offseason moves looked like they were not working out. Uh, Ariza had gotten traded ahead of the deadline, and we were hoping to see uh, Deadman getting traded. I think the, everybody in Kingsland was was hoping to get, see Deadman traded. Um, there was the uh, you know, Bogdan McDonovich situation. Was he going to get traded for an asset or were the Kings going to be locked in with that contract? So a lot of storylines going into the deadline. Um, one of you guys go ahead and take it away and talk to, about, uh, you know, where we were at and some things we were saying about the trade deadline, guys. All right, so for the trade deadline, I mean, you kind of hit on all those little points there, but the one that I would like to talk about was the um, Dwayne Dedman move. Um, you know, that was like the most obvious out of all of them that we, you know, they, they had to get off that Deadman move. Um, and, I, and I'm going to give them credit for um, doing what they did. They, they moved Deadman back to Atlanta and, uh, you know, they, they got the Alex Lynn and the Jabari Parker. <clears throat> you know, and we haven't, you know, we're not ever going to get to see Jabari Parker, which is unfortunate because I know Eric especially is a big fan of Jabari. Uh, you know, we're not going to be able to see that, but the, for them to be able to move that contract and then bring in Len, who, you know, that last month until this quarantine time has just been like a defensive monster inside the paint, man. Um, it's it's really awesome. We haven't had a, a big man who can who's played defense like that in a long, long time. Um, Greg Ostertag. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Greg Ostertag was definitely the last guy. <laughs> Nah, dude. What about uh, well, I, Ryan? I, let me let, let me ask you this question, Ryan. Okay. Um, is it is so dead? So Deadman, okay, Deadman. We we wanted him gone after about a week, okay, and I'd say more like four I would days. say for about yeah. So for about six weeks or more, I don't know. For a long period of time, we would come on here and talk about potential Deadman trades, and we thought that the Kings were going to have to include. Um, an uh, an asset to move him. We thought they'd have to include Bogdanovich or potentially a pick or something like that, or take on additional cap. They didn't talk a little bit about that because um, we were wrong about that. We were totally wrong in in our in our at home GM situations. How did they pull that off? 
uh, Atlanta just being dumb. <laughs> like, there's there's no other explanation. Like, why would <laughs> why would Atlanta do that? I I I bloody pulled one over on somebody for once. I guess it, it made no sense to me. You know, us talking up to it. And, and Eric, you've you've done a good job of you know reinforcing this week after week on the podcast. Is if if you want to get out of a bad cap situation, you got to pay to get your way out of a cap situation. You know, examples, you know, the uh, the Houston Texans did it in the NFL when they got, I know you brought this up before, when you got rid of uh, Brock Osweiler. You know, you're, you you pay Cleveland to take on a bad contract like that. And uh, that's usually how it works. You know, when Sacramento got out of the, the what was it, the... Uh, what Jason I Thompson. Jason, Jason Thompson. Thank you. I was going to say Tristan Thompson. God, see, see, shows how irrelevant he is. Um, Jason Thompson contract. You know, they had to pay to get out of that contract, and it set him back on draft picks for a few years. So it really, to this day, I don't get it, especially when we got back a guy like Alex Lynn, who is making an impact. Um, you know, as as far as <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to go into Atlanta. Never mind. I, I was going to talk about Atlanta's moves, but yeah, I, I really, I don't get it. I thought that. You know for sure that we were gonna have to give up a contract or, or give up a, a piece or a, a future pick or something. So I, I really don't have an answer of how they pulled that off. So that was definitely one where we were right on the he needed to be traded, but we were wrong in that uh, we and how they moved him. And so for for the, yes for 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 Vladi to be able to get back essentially expiring contracts for Deadman. Um, there's credit. Now, the one thing that we didn't want to do at that time is that the only, I think the biggest knock of the trade deadline at that time was was I didn't want to, we didn't want to give entire credit to Vladi because how much credit can you give to him for cleaning up his own messes in the off season? Like, you know, they're in the off season and they spend all this time evaluating their team and they have a budding playoff team and they get uh, the three big moves. I guess were Ariza, Deadman and Corey Joseph. Two of those three were gone by the trade, de- trade deadline. And so not too much credit given to Vladi for cleaning up his own mess, but we, I think we were super excited at that time that it didn't cost him. Um, so that's where that is. Any, any other things, points on the, on the Deadman train in particular that anybody wants to chime in before we move on it, off of it? Yeah, uh, real quick. The the fascinating point that you brought up was, you know, the Kings kind of bullied Atlanta in that trade because because we were especially in our trade machine special episode. And I wanted to give Eric credit because you were the one that was uh, you proposed a trade bringing in uh, Jabari Parker. And even though he hasn't been um, really uh, uh, he hasn't done anything basically in Sacramento. But the point is, is. The Kings were able to get rid of that bad contract with Deadman and bring in two guys, one with Parker, who is getting paid six something this year, and then there's an option for next year at the same price, and then Len at an expiring contract, and Len's been very productive. So I'll I'll, I'll keep it short with that, that um, Vladi definitely did good backing up and getting rid of uh, Deadman and bringing in someone cheaper, younger, and uh, more productive. So King's cast was wrong, but we were also right in a weird way. But I, honestly, I'm glad to be wrong in that case. I'm glad they didn't have to give up the assets. So I'm happy to take that L, so to speak, in that situation. Um, the big other topic at the trade deadline that we had been pounding the table since preseason, which was Bogdanovich. And we really wanted him moved. Um, 
I, I think if it, there's been a couple, what did you guys say, kind of principles of our podcast, a mantra we've been putting out there, and Bogdanovich, uh, his whole situation is one of them. Um, I speak for the group, and I feel like we collectively agree in that. We don't believe this guy is worth 18 to $20 million. Um, The Kings didn't pick up – or they didn't extend in preseason, which means that if he gets an offer in, in the postseason that – uh, or in the off season that they're going to have to match it in order to keep them right, and so um, that that we don't want that to happen because we don't want them to get stuck in that in that cap situation. Um, and so we Bogdanovich, you guys just want to open up that discussion a little bit and just see. I mean, reiterate, I guess, someone reiterate the, what we've been saying about Bogdanovich. Right, why well, don't you? Why don't think he got traded? Well, it's. They value, obviously, you know, looking looking at this now, they value Big Donovich, you know, a lot more than they value Buddy Heal. That's <laughs> that's just what it comes down to. And it's I, I we don't get it. This is a very pro Buddy Heal podcast. And it's not like we, you know, we don't think Bogdanovich is a bad player by any means. Again, you know, we go through this every other week, but uh, you know, they they really like what Bogdanovich brings to the table, and I don't think that in their in their eyes when it, when it came down to it. Cause you, you know, for a fact, people called about Bogdanovich during the trade deadline, you know, you know, for a fact there, you know, there was the rumors with the Lakers and stuff and all that. And I think in their eyes that they just didn't get the return that they think Bogdanovich is worth. And, uh, you know, obviously looking at it now, they're going to pay the dude and it's totally against everything that we think and think that they should do. Uh, yeah, but uh, they just, you know, they value Bogdanovich a lot. And I, for us, you know, all year we've been on this, you know, Bogdanovich isn't worth the money. He's coming off the bench. You know, he's, he, he's not a, he, to me, he's just not as valuable as Buddy Hield. I, I still don't get it. It's hard. It's hard to talk on this because I, I still don't understand why they value him so much. You know, it's, it's been a year long thing for us. We don't get it. And I just want to uh, chime in too real quick with not really an opinion, but just some numbers to kind of reestablish our credibility with how we feel about Buddy and Bogey. So since that Chicago game where they switched the lineups, um, it's 20 games. Buddy healed 19.4 points a game, uh, 47.6% from three-point. And, uh, and that's in 26.6 minutes a game, 26.6 minutes a game. I wanted to, to put that out there, uh, with Bogdanovich, he averaged 14.5 points a game, 33.8% from three, and that's in 29.3 minutes. So he's playing three more minutes a game than buddy and putting up those numbers against buddy's numbers. So I just wanted to put that out there. Ryan, go ahead. Do you think real quick, Eric, real quick, let me, let me talk on this. Uh, you know, the last month and a half of the season, Darren Fox really stepped up his game. And, it, and a lot of it had to do with when, not a lot of it had to do, but the timing was, you know, when Buddy went to the bench and McDonavich was in the starting role. Do you think that that affects Darren Fox's play at all with him playing with Buddy or playing with Bogey? Sorry. I, I, don't, I don't know how it would, but do you think there's any type of correlation with that? You saying like sorry? Say it again. You so you just you weren't listening at all. Alrighty, cool. I was reading. My, yeah, my bad. I heard. Yeah, I heard I, the part that you. <laughs> I didn't realize you were asking the question. I, I was looking up a stat real quick. Alrighty, we're always doing something. It's all good. Yeah. Alrighty. Uh, do you think 
that deer and foxes uh you know better play as of the last month and a half of the season had anything to do with him playing alongside bogdanovich more than buddy healed because his numbers really ticked up around the time that buddy went to the bench no i i I don't and that's one of those things that i think we got to we got to keep back to our our principles of the podcast and that we're not x's and o's people i have no way to break that down without giving an opinion i really think darren fox is a darren fox and darren fox is a beast and he's gonna do him and get better every season after that um so no no i don't think that i get that i get that but like it's it's the same conversation that we've been having all years why do they like bogdanovich so much so i'm just trying to find a way you know to why to find out why they like Bogdanovich so much? I don't get it. That's what you know. I'm just trying to find He's a solution to, to that. Trying to play a little devil's advocate. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I, I get it. I I get it. I want to bring it back to where the trade deadline was, though. In that, um, you know, the Kings. The biggest point to reiterate again is that we we don't dislike Bogdanovich, and we don't think that he's. Um, not a player it's at the deadline that was their one opportunity to to move off of him if not they're gonna have to sign him to whatever offer he's made this offseason and it's gonna put them in a in a real tricky situation i think at that time when they didn't make the move we came on here and said um that the writing on the wall is that i see now is that that means buddy's probably going to get moved you know, it, but because the the cap situation didn't add up, the Kings need players. They they need they need some more rotational wings. Um, they're real thin at the two and three right now, um, and w- just the, the cap situation and everything. It just the writing's on the wall to me. And so by them not moving Bogey, they essentially made their decision. Now, um, I don't know if we're right or wrong, and the jury's still out on that. But that's that's really what we were saying at that at that time. Uh, now some some other moves there were there were real there were some big moves you know I think you guys you guys talked about Alex Land that was probably one of the most fun moves but um, we didn't really I know we talked about it in the last one but Bazemore's impact for Ariza uh, was, was another move that that was that was made um, so I would say between getting Ariza between getting Bazemore um, I'm sorry between getting Bazemore and getting Len sorry. Uh, what do you, what I think that kind of solved the athleticism part, right? And, and some of the things we talked about. So, do you think the Kings saw that they needed to get more athletic? Is that is that true statement, or were we right, wrong? Well, I think yeah, part of it's true, but the reasoning for it, I, I don't believe that Vladi went out and was like, I need to get more athletic. I'm gonna go get Ken Bazemore, or I need to get you know a defensive presence. So I'm gonna you know whatever, whatever. Both of them are expiring contracts, and Bazemore's contracts like one year, like seventeen mil or something stupid like that. Nineteen, nineteen, 19 mil. Yeah. Okay, so that that's my point right there. Is I don't think Vladi specifically targeted Kent Bazemore as a guy that a beyond this season, you know, is going to be able to come in and and make a difference. Which it looks like he's going to, and that's awesome. But I think he kind of stumbled upon that. I think his his reasoning w- had nothing to do. Um, with him being athletic, I think he just saw an expiring contract and a way to do- to unload a, a resist contract on Portland. So um, I don't know if that answered your question, but yes, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of just like comparative to the the Deadman deal. I don't think it was really about going and bringing in assets. It was really just about 
getting rid of contracts. And we've touched on that in the past. And, uh, you know, getting rid of a three-year deal for Trevor Ariza and bringing in Bazemore, it's just like it's it's lightning in a bottle. What happened bringing in a guy that was way more productive with the Kings uh, in Bazemore than Ariza was. And, uh, you know, and, and we've preached in the past uh, throughout our podcast throughout the season about creating, uh, you know, financial flexibility. And that's what both those trades did. And uh, especially with, with Bazemore, the dude has been a huge impact and, you know, it'll lead to many people questioning whether the Kings could try and bring him back in the off season. So good on Vladi getting rid of those contracts and bringing in guys that, you know, have done more than we expected probably. Yeah. And, and Eric's was saying earlier about how, you know, the writing on the wall is kind of for buddy to, to get moved out of town. I think by, you know, Baysmore being here and playing like he has, I think that gives that a little more credibility, and I think that's going to give Sacramento, uh, you know, more confidence to move Buddy Heald. So we're coming out of the trade deadline, and you know, we we get a couple, we get a couple players. I don't think anybody, I, I know I didn't, factored Alex Lennon as being someone who was going to play the significant amount of time. Um, I don't. I think Ken Baysmore we thought would play because it was a need, and then we were disappointed about Bogdanovich. But something happened post trade trade deadline that really kind of changed and shaped the second half of the season, and that was that Rashawn Holmes got hurt. And Bagley's been hurt all season, but he got hurt, and and I would say we'll we'll call both of those guys and lump them together, and that kind of threw Alex Len into a, not the you know starting minutes, but it, it elevated him, and it also elevated a guy who um, we didn't even talk about in, in in episode one, and that's Harry Giles. All right, so so I'll start off by presenting this to you guys now. Harry Harry Giles, um, Kings fans love him. He's had the injury history going back to college. Coming into the year, the Kings had declined his option. Now, at that time, you know, I did say that I I get why they declined the option because he he it I took it as he must just not be as developed and healthy. And so they figured let's decline the option. And I thought he was going to get um traded. Um, as a trade as a, as, as a lumping in because they were all right. If you don't decline the guy, you're not going to sign the guy. They're, I figured they trade him, right? And so that's kind of why I thought I, you know, okay, the, the Jow things is up. So he didn't really play much the first half season, but when those guys got hurt, they had no choice. And with when Giles came in, and then Len getting in, something happened. Why don't you guys talk a little bit about that? Did you see that coming? The impact, um, and then how do you think that that kind of sh- shapes where we're going i guess for the rest of this season if there is one okay well again vladi stumbled into a decision that nobody or not decision but into a scenario that nobody thought was going to happen nobody nobody thought that harry giles was ready to play in the nba i listened you know about two weeks before all this went down uh you know grant napier and and doug christie were talking about it and they were saying how you know, because I guess a lot of people were coming on the show and saying, hey, why isn't Harry Giles playing more? And their words, he is he's nowhere near playing significant minutes in the NBA. OK, so fast forward two weeks, Harry Giles is thrown in the fire. He's playing very, very well. OK, um, and then significant uh, minutes in the significant NBA, minutes in the NBA. And it's like, OK, so uh, and I'm not going to lie. I thought the same thing. I didn't think he was really ready, uh, but he played well. 
And then you throw in, you know, another good compliment piece to Harry Giles because Harry lacks defensive, um, you know, ability inside the paint, but he's very good on the offense. So now you you bring in Alex Lynn, who's playing defense and all this stuff. So they just complement each other well. Nobody thought it was going to happen, and it's you know, it's another scenario where I don't think Vladi saw that happening, and it's better to be lucky than good, I guess. You know, he there's been multiple times throughout the season where we've got lucky with these with these kind of um, you know players and stuff. So hey, I mean, we have we have a good problem going forward. There's a log jam with our bigs, and hey, you know that that's a good problem to have, and it's better to have talent than lack talent. Yeah, and it's it's crazy the um how can I word this correctly? The change of what we perceived Harry Giles all year. And not not maybe like from us, but what we saw him, you know, uh giving to the team because I'm just looking at like his game logs and early in the season he played in like five or six games, you know, after the first couple weeks, but no significant minutes. And then he was an afterthought. I, I think I can speak for all three of us. We never thought we'd really see him ever get a shot ever again. And then he comes in and um, plays a c- couple games where he's coming off the bench and plays well, and then he gets thrown into the starting lineup. And so Harry Giles uh, was a huge boost, and it, it was exciting to see him kind of finally get his opportunity and make the most of it. Well, he was an afterthought because, I mean, you know, one thing that we don't do is we don't try to be – we don't try to try to make outrageous claims, I think, uh, and, and speak out of line. and. and when you when you have a guy who has a who's young whose body wasn't developed who has an injury history and didn't play we're not the type of guys who just because we you know you a lot of fans like let's see him we want to see him but we're not those type of guys we we take it we sometimes take it you know for what it is hey they're not playing him for a reason right you sometimes it's sometimes you with certain certain situations you just got to put faith in in the organization that they know better than you and i think we did that with harry giles like what are we, what are we going to say? You know, obviously he's not ready. And and when there was especially early in the season when there was front court needs, like hey, if they're not playing him now, he must just not have it. And so there was no way of us uh for knowing in, to know that he was, you know, going to come in and do it. But um when he did come in, it does look like the guy can play in the NBA. And now it leaves us um with him. We can go on the tangent with Harry Giles, I I guess it leaves the Kings in a weird situation post trade deadline, right? And that this guy is, has played really well, but now they don't, now they don't own his, his, uh, his rights. And I don't know the whole CBA rules on how his contract can be extended. If there's limits on it, I've heard some things on that, but now the Kings look kind of dumb, right? That they didn't block this guy up, which would have been an easy 3 million for next year. And now he could potentially go. Um, I can't, I can't come out and say that I'm gonna I'm gonna crush Avadi for that because I didn't crush them when they made the decision. I I think that um, there there is there we are right and correct to question that they should have done better in inserting him in the lineup earlier in the season or even just making that call in the off season. Right? I mean, what's your guys' take on the whole situation with Giles now that he's played so well? Well, ex- especially like. Why didn't they play him when they were losing? You know, when they were going through that funk, it's like, why why wouldn't you play him? When they, you know, when Bagley got hurt early on, why wasn't he playing? I still, you know, looking back, yeah, it worked out him that he's playing now, but it I I am gonna hold it hold it against them, you know. Like this is this is your fault that we're gonna be in this situation. But like I said, it it's a good 
it's it's turning out to be a good situation to be in because they have guys like Alex Lynn, they have Jabari Parker if they decide, they got Giles, they got Bagley, they have Rashawn Holmes. Like there's bigs around, but uh, yeah, it is going to be interesting to see what they do because I do think Harry Giles is 22 and people are going to want him. So last year, the I felt the problem was the last couple of years really since Demarcus Cousins left, very thin front court. I mean, last year they they didn't. They didn't really have anybody. I mean, they, they were running Willie out there tons of minutes. Costa Kufos Kufo, didn't even play yeah. it in the second half of last year. He was just chilling on the bench. So, so it's definitely a reverse of last year. So they're very strong front court, a lot of rotational guys, something we've said early in the season in the NBA. you got to have a variety of different lineups to pull off win streaks. I think post-trade deadline, the front court depth allowed them to do that. And the variety of, of their depth, too. They all complement each other well. That's what I said, a variety of lineups yeah. and matchups. Yeah. Well, and, and kind of just to touch back on what Ryan said a little bit ago about, you know, Giles being an afterthought. And, and you remember in the those streaky games where the Kings were not playing well at all, and you think that would be a time to give a guy like Harry Giles a chance. And remember when Ian Gabriel was getting minutes, and oh, it was like, dude. okay, I don't know. And, and again, we're sitting at home on our asses. We're not in the locker room. We're not in the offices. And and it's like, is he really not in the plans for anything and they don't want to showcase him so maybe he can be brought back cheaper next year? Because in the last, what, 15 to 20 games or whatever that he they were playing, he absolutely drove up his asking price. And I don't think he was in the plan. I'm just guessing maybe he wasn't in the plans of being played at all. So the Kings kind of the hand was forced and he made the most of it. And I'm sure they're totally regretting not picking up that option. This is where Kings, like Sacramento Kings reporting, I wish was just was just better. And I and this is the benefits to being a fan of a team that's in a in a big market. There, you know, in a big market, you would have reporters who would have called this out early in the season and, and maybe done a little bit of digging. Um, so I, I wished I wish someone would have done some investigation. I think one we wouldn't be doing us, you know, post a trade deadline episode two. Without we wouldn't be doing our due diligence if we didn't talk about this, and I and I want to bring up briefly the athletic article that had come out because I think this is going to go into this this next conversation that we had. The athletic article uh, primarily talked it talked about the kind of I guess the king's dysfunction at the top, um, and I, the big one of the big things that had come out of that was uh, ownerships. Uh, you know they're pissed off, I guess because whatever they're fucking pissed um and there was just some stuff about the front office there's been a lot of questions about vladi is he going to survive the off season um but the big big nugget that had come out of it was the was buddy healed right and then like buddy healed may want to get may want to get traded um uh, so let's just talk about the whole athletic article in general and then uh, now that some time's passed and how how much of a was that was that a milestone for the season? Was there anything that we had said that had come out of that? Just just talk about it a little bit because it was a big point for for Kings media around the time. Well, I think, uh, you know, Sacramento isn't in the national media very often, so that was, you know, it's refreshing to see an outside perspective, especially when it kind of aligns with our views. It kind of validated how we, you know, think of Buddy Heald big time. Like it, it really, you know, I I think. You know, it, it kind of validated the whole buddy bogey thing. Uh, I'm sorry. What, what was your 
point me back in direction real quick. I was about to go off on a tangent. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, I know. It's, it's, you guys are well, even. <laughs> there, there, there was a lot of there. There were a lot of uh, uh, things that came out of it. Really. And again, for you guys, like the point of doing this episode is I want to talk about the things, the statements that we made, the opinions that we made at certain milestones of the season. And so um, the that was a big milestone. And I guess some of the some of the statements that we had come out and I think you said it about it did validate some of the things that we had said. And the Buddy Hill thing did kind of validate because I, I would say a week or two before we'd even put a clip out there. I think I think I had said, you know, and, and you, I know you guys are me, but I had said that. I think that Buddy Hill was going to get probably moved this offseason. The writing was on the wall, just the cap situation. Well, this article dove it dove in a little further and said how Buddy Hill would want to be traded. Um, and that was kind of his role on the team. And, you know, there's some personality things with Luke Walton. Um, and so that's what I was putting out there. It's a milestone. And what opinions we had at that time, I guess, to share. Well, my opinions, you know, it, regarding Buddy Hill, we already kind of knew that, like you said, the writing was on the wall. My biggest opinion on the article, it wasn't, it didn't have nothing to do with the players or anything. It had to do with, uh, you know, media surrounding the team. I remember we were really upset because, you know, the whole time you're hearing, oh, Buddy Heal, there's no issues with Buddy and this and this. And for someone to come out and say, you know, who's who's not around the organization, yes, there is problems. Yes, I do have sources. I remember when we came and did our podcast, I was a little upset. You know, you're a little frustrated because you're like, dude, we're not getting... You know, we're not getting accurate reporting. We're being told one thing and then, you know, Sam Amick's coming over and he's telling us another. So I remember being, you know, like my reaction to the whole thing was, you know, I'm just this is this is a little dumb. Like you guys are just lying to us. What's really going on with the front office? Are we, you know, are things being hidden? And, uh, you know, this I think because of that article, it's going to drag into the offseason. And I and I do think that it's going to influence um, how they handle Buddy Heald for sure. So again, it's the big, it's our, one of our big opinions on, on King's cast has been the media. It has been Twitter. It's been all of that stuff because we, you know, going, I think we're just like we we said, we're just a couple of dudes on here who, who just follow the team and we hop on here and, and record just for fun because we just feel like, Someone needs to call out some stuff. So, Doug, like, why? I know this is a, a kind of a passion point for you about the Kings media. Um, you know, was this was this a big validation uh, for us and our opinions about towards Kings media or Kings opinions from national media? I'm really glad you brought this up because I did want to touch on it again, and and we have touched on local media throughout the season. But like you said a couple weeks ago, Eric, when we did the athletic article. You really thought that this article exposed King's local media. And the reason I'm saying that is because there's so many defensive moments from King's local media throughout the years, especially I think we can all agree we feel in most recent years. I don't know if that has anything to do with social media, you know, accessibility with everything. But uh, in regards to defending, it's like, Grant Napier come out on KHK and he's like shooting this down. Like, I know it's not true. And you got, you got a, a, a really credible guy in Sam Amick coming out and saying these things. And what it does is it kind of ties back into, I said on an episode probably a month and a half ago or whatever, 
that there's just too much buddy buddy friendship style stuff going on within the organization. Remember, like I said, Vladi, former player, he's the GM now. Um, Peja is his assistant, former player. Bobby Jackson coaches. Doug Christie's in on the broadcast and stuff like that. Like it's it's just, are we getting you know real stuff out to us as fans? That we should be, you know, we, we've been through a lot of shit this last decade and a half, and I feel like we deserve the truth on a lot of stuff. And I feel like all that just ties in together with the dysfunction of this organization. So, yeah. <laughs> Eric? Okay, so, yeah, big. that was a big turning point. I felt like we needed to... Uh, yeah, I think I felt we needed to address that because it, it was it was a, a milestone. I, uh, all right, I the second half of the season, the Kings have actually been playing pretty well, and they've they've kind of um, you know they they have kind of put themselves back into playoff contention. Um, before we get to that, I guess right where the where the season left off, um, there is one more one I I want to dive deeper in, and we got into it a little bit. But it is the buddy versus bogey discussion, and that the last month they they tried it out and the record was good. Do you think that the Kings um, should have we? Okay, I'll rephrase this for you guys. All right, we believe that Buddy Hill should have started. He should have been put back in the starting lineup because um, they played the experiment. I don't think that the Kings, uh, you know, playing well this the second half of the season. I think that had more to do with the acquisitions in in like Baysmore and like we talked about in the front court rotations. I think it had more to do with that, and then specifically De'Aaron Fox taking that additional stride. I mean, he's up to like twenty points a game now. I think that's why they're playing well. It's not necessarily Bogey being the starting lineup. I don't know why he's getting credit on that. Um, I would like to say, do you think that we were right or wrong in our opinion, and that Buddy should have started or keep the lineup how it is? 100% correct that Buddy should start. And a lot of people are always talking about, well, it's not how the game starts. It's who's on the court court when they finish. Well, if you remember a few weeks ago, well, it's been a while now, but at the, at the end of the game when, um, you know, Buddy wasn't Buddy wasn't on the court and every, I forget who they were playing against. Dude, it's kind of been a while, but Buddy wasn't on the court. And I think BJ Lisa uh, shot a 30-something footer. And it's like, well, you know, Buddy needs to be on those court for those situations. I I really don't understand again why Bogdanovich is getting the minutes over him and why they can't even play some minutes next to each other. It doesn't I I don't know. Buddy needs to be on the court and it's obvious that this is messing, you know, with with Buddy Heald. He's obviously upset about it and I I really believe that, you know, 2 years down the road from now when I believe Buddy's not on the on the team no more that they're going to regret this. Well, I think our main reason to why Buddy should have been put back in the lineup, you know, I, I understand at the time when Walton made the change, why, it, it, you know, it made sense and, and, and it worked. But, you know, people always say, if it ain't broke, you know, don't fix it. And that's how we kind of felt in, in a couple episodes about, uh, ago about Harry Giles, about when Holmes came back, you know, keep him in there. I don't think that uh, distinction applies here because – what Buddy does is he's more consistent than Bogey. And, you know, Bogey, the last, you know, 15, 20 games, he'd have some great games, but then he'd have some bad games. And I think Ryan pointed it out, like, throughout February, he had 
what five or six games where he scores single digits. Yeah, it was and like I think six that's games, just yeah. Yeah, and I think that's just a big aspect of why we believe that, you know, throwing Buddy back in there wouldn't have a huge dysfunctional impact. I think it would make a positive impact because of his scoring ability on a consistent basis. So All right, so it is it is something that is confusing. I don't think we're going to get an answer. I think that uh the uh, I, I don't think we would have got a real answer and some clarity until honestly next season because the, it, it would have it would have shown why they did what they did. Um, so it, we're kind of in a weird situation now where who knows if we're getting basketball. They're talking about playing the season. They're talking about not. Who, who knows? Fucking right. It, it, there's a there's a chance the Kings might not play again, and um, I think that I want to move off of our our you know year in review, and I want to. Do one little segment if you guys want to on how you're seeing uh, how how I guess it's it's going to impact this this whole shutdown the season shutdown and like the current second half of the season how it's going to impact the Kings moving forward. Do you guys want to go into that? Sure, I'll start. So so what I mean what I mean by it would be like um, I think. I think that this shutdown is going to is going to really shake things up and it's going to buy I think the biggest thing is going to buy the front office more time because because they they don't finish the season off I mean they're sitting at like what are they sitting at like 20 28 and 36 yeah all right so they're they're it's going to be an unfinished season regardless do you guys think let's not even go into discussion make the make make your statement do you guys think this is going to buy them more time that's exactly yes where I, no. yeah. That's exactly where I was going with it. It's kind of gonna be a, it, it's it's gonna be a cop out for them, dude. It's gonna be you know a couple of years ago, Vladi said, if we're not in this you know situation here, or if we're not in the playoffs in a couple of years, I'm gonna step down. Well, here's your cop out, man. Here's your well, you know, we were trending up, and then this happened. So I I yeah, I think management comes back next year. I think uh, you know one positive to this is you know. For sure, I think this shuts down Marvin Bagley till next year, which I think is a positive and that they need to do. But yes, I I do think about them another year. Uh, yeah, I was thinking before we recorded the second part um, about Vladi and his future with the Kings, and yeah, I'll, I'll agree with you. I think it does buy them time, and because of what was happening before the NBA shut down, uh, the Kings were playing fairly good basketball where they're like 13 and seven in their last 20 games or whatever. The rotations were working, you know, even though they lost that last game against Toronto, that really fun game to watch is a good game. But overall, the Kings were playing good basketball. Vladi made the moves to get them in that position um, to actually be in the talk of competing for an eight seed. So I think absolutely to sum it up, Vladi will be back next year. And I'm I'm interested in to see what they're able to do going into next season so that i feel the same way we have a lot of who knows you know this this whole thing can can last a lot of weeks we have a lot of discussions that we want to talk about we're still going to do podcasts about every week or so so continue to check those out um i I know there's one big looming thing we left on the table and and i didn't get into it too much and it is marvin bagley I, i i didn't think it was really worth going into too much just because He's hurt. What, what, what can you say? You know, there's not really much to say about that. He didn't really contribute, so we, we didn't focus on that. 
if there's anything, any milestones from the season, if you've been listening, you want to call us out or you just want to give your opinion on it, let us know. Um, as always, you can follow us on Kang's Cast on Twitter and Instagram. Doug is primarily you know, the one that runs that. He's pretty responsive. We're all responsive on there. Um, so um, I guess we're going to close it out. So as always, Ziggy Smoke Shop. Give them the follow. Ziggy Smoke Shop 209. They're our, our number one sponsor. They're still open because they are an essential service. Um, so for Kang's Cast, this is Eric with D Fresh and Ryan. Go Kang's. 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 Thanks for listening to the Kang's Cast Podcast. Make sure to subscribe and be notified for our next episode. Follow on Twitter and Instagram at Kang's Cast, like on Facebook, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio.